Welcome to the Success Coaching Podcast. On today's episode, our guest, Mark Castley, shares his own personal journey to success. Because success is a journey, not a destination. Here's the hosts of the Success Coaching Podcast, Todd Foster, Alyssa Stanley, and Kelly Scar. Welcome back to the Success Coaching Podcast. My name is Alyssa Stanley. I'm here with Todd Foster and Kelly Scar. Today, we get to sit down with Mark Castley, who is a real estate agent of over 15 years, coach, mentor, COO of LuxuryProperty.com, and also world traveler. Thank you for sitting with us today. We're excited to chat with you. Great. Thanks, Alyssa. Really uh, happy to be here and uh, look forward to getting stuck in. Hey, right on. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Really appreciate your time today, man. I know it's uh, you're in Dubai, so it's a little bit later there than it is here and uh, on, you know, in, in British Columbia, Canada. Um, you know, we're on Pacific Standard Time. And so I think uh, you're about 12 hours ahead of us, I believe. It's about what, 940 there right now? 940 p.m. Yeah, there you go. Hey, uh, why don't you kind of introduce yourself to our network? Give us kind of the Coles Notes version and we'll jump into the conversation. First of all, thank you again for having me. Uh, my name is Mark Castley. Uh, I am COO at LuxuryProperty.com over in Dubai. Um, I've been in real estate now for, oh, I keep saying 12 years, but I've been saying 12 years now for the past six or seven years. So I think it's probably a bit more, maybe 17 years now. Um, and I've, you know, I've been all over the world. So uh, Dubai, uh, all over the US and Canada, all over Asia, and obviously uh, the UK, where I'm from. So hopefully, you, hopefully the accent isn't too bad. Uh, you know, I've tried to shake off this this Northern England accent over the time. So hopefully, you guys pick up most of the words I come out with. Well, Mark, we truly appreciate you being here. And just in case we don't pick up on all of your words. The transcript of this episode should help our listeners read what you're saying. <laughs> You mentioned that you've been in real estate for 17 years. Yeah. At what point in your life did you choose real estate? And I guess the real question is, why? Um, so it's, it's really funny. Uh, it wasn't a choice, <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was basically, I played football. I thought I was great. Well, I played soccer, uh, but we call it football. I thought I was great. It wasn't. Um, and I had no plan B. You know, I was going to be a pro footballer. But there was no plan B. And mum used to always say, you know, what are you going to do if you don't be a footballer? And I was like, well, it's okay. I'm going to be a footballer. Don't you worry. And then when I wasn't, dad was like, you're getting a job. So he took me to uh, the local uh, real estate company um, in the, on the high street. Small, two guys. And there was one admin. And he brought me in. And he said, give him a job. And you're like, well, we're actually not recruiting. And he was like, no, just, just give him any job. Any job. And they gave me the job as the T-boy. Uh, and that's, that's where I fell in love. And I was like, this is, so you guys just like, it was mo mostly rentals. They didn't do many sales. And they did property management. And I was like, this is really, really interesting. So they, they let me do other jobs. Um, and I worked my way up to head of property management. And this was, that's where I really fell in love with real estate, you know, because it's, it's, it's such a passion, right? You know, once you when you fall in love, that's it. You, that's that's you for life, then. And I think, uh, thanks to to dad for forcing me into it, uh, it's worked out not so bad in the end. <laughs> it's amazing to talk to so many people in real estate, and it seems like uh, the choice was made for the majority of us. It yeah. was uh, either because we realized we weren't great at something we thought we were great at, or we thought it would be easy, an yeah. easy paycheck. Man, people are making a gazillion dollars doing this a year. And yeah. they're working three hours a week. That's it. It's the, the audit. What, what's what we all want to be, right? Is the order taker. So if only real estate was like Burger King, it would be the best job ever. You know, we just want to stand there and, and just deliver and that's it. But it's not. There's such a big dance involved. That, and, you know, it's, that's where it becomes fun though, right? Mark, you were talking about how you got into real estate essentially because your dad pushed you into um, working for a real estate company. I'm curious what kind of professional background you grew up in. Were your parents entrepreneurs? Great question. Um, this came up on, on TV a couple of weeks ago. Um, and 
it's so funny because that's I was not surrounded by this. I'm from Liverpool, right? So it's a working class area. You, you'll know it as home of the Beatles. Um, but it's a port city. So there's not, um, it's a working class, typical British city in the north. Uh, not a lot of money in Liverpool. Um, so the entrepreneurial spirit and that from myself, it really came from, I believe, a w- wanting to do something different, wanting to do better. So my, my mom, she's been in the NHS, the National Health Service, for 30 years. My dad is a care worker, so he works in the same type of industry. Um, neither have owned their own business or had any interest in owning their own business. And they're both, you know, blue-collar professions that... Uh, they really enjoyed their job. It's something they really enjoyed. So growing up, I'm um, just a totally different type of human. Um, and when I personality profile people, my mum is an S. You know, she's she's a she. I call S scared. I know it's not. It's it should be social, but I call it scared because that's when we use S in real estate. And I can go into this maybe a little later, but. Um, S is the, the person who's just scared of everything. I told my mum I was moving to Dubai and she was she was petrified, you know. And then, mum, I'm moving to Asia. No, I'm moving to America. Oh, you know, whatever. She was scared of everything. So, and I'm not, I'm a high D. You know, I'm a super high D personality. I like all my decisions to be made within less than a second. If somebody sends me a voice note and it's longer than 10 seconds, I won't listen or I put on 2X and play as fast as possible. That's not a bad thing. That's just who I am. And then when you realize who you are, if you allow yourself to be that person, you, you turn into somebody. And what I turned into is somebody who's really passionate about doing really great things in real estate. And I've been afforded some great opportunities to travel the world. And, you know, there's an element of luck. Um, but we have to, going back to the question, I apologize. The, the question was, did I grow up around them? No. Like, not at all. So it's the polar opposite to what was at home. Um, and I think that's just wanting to do things differently and, and, and seeing an opportunity. Hey, I might be able to do things differently if I do this. And, you know, and it's turned out okay. So after the soccer career didn't work out and your dad <laughs> took you to the dead, your dad took you to the, uh, to the real estate office. Is that kind of where that, this this whole thing you, you were able to discover truly who you were as as an entrepreneur or you know i mean you're a t-boy i'm not entirely sure what that is but i i have an imagination yeah. i'm just you know you're obviously getting the tea and the coffee for everybody but uh that's yeah. a full job description right that's the tea the coffee the biscuits that's it yeah right so so your exposure to uh, real estate inside this office, do you think that was a tipping point where you were able to kind of take your personality and kind of inject it into this entrepreneurial environment and and discover who you truly were? I think, um, so I don't think it was there, but I think that's what inspired me to want to do more. And I'll tell you why. When we, uh, so whenever we, we do anything, we like to look up to somebody who we want to be. You know, so that's who I would like to be. And, and I, it's important I have them within our office. So we have the number one real estate agent in Dubai works in our office. So he works for me. He's fantastic at what he does. And he's the poster boy. So people who join might not know this is the career for them until they're inspired by seeing what great things he's doing. Now, when I started my career as a T-boy, um, the guy who owned the company, Chris, I remember he had 52 properties. And we rented. So like this guy, not, not, not like anything special, but he owns 52 properties and we still rent as a family. And it's like, wow, what are you, what, what does that look like to be you? And I remember going to his house after Christmas party and his house was just like, oh my gosh, like I've never seen anything like this in my life. And he's got 52 properties. I remember he had a, um, he had a Range Rover and I was like, I'd never been in a Range Rover before. And it's like, all of these things was like, oh, wow, I'd never seen it. So, you know, the, the old the saying that people have is, oh, have you seen a million dollars? No, but do you know it exists? Yes. Okay. All right. So it's, it's, it's the traditional saying people have. 
I knew Range Rovers existed in nice houses, but I'd never been in one. So I didn't know what it felt like. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, this is something I can do. You know, I'm 16 years old. I could probably do this. Uh, so I developed my career and cut out maybe four or five years. I started buying property. And we had uh, in the UK, it was called day one lending where you could flip. It was option agreements and it's a, it's a whole other podcast probably, but there was, a, there was a way where you could take an option agreement on, on a property, buy and sell on the same day and you take the cream. It was great. And then that business model stopped. But that's where the entrepreneurial side came in because I was exposed to somebody who said, hey, did you know you could buy and sell properties and make you know, £10,000 off one? I was like, that's one year's salary. That's 10 years' salary as a T-boy. <laughs> and then we were doing it, and I was like, this is just unbelievable. And that's what a lot of doors got open for me um, because I'm a, I'm a yes person um, in terms of if somebody says, can you do this? I'm a yes, like I can do this. And then I'm, okay, now I need to figure out how to do this. <laughs> um, and that's opened quite a few doors for me, I think. Um, so that, it was probably just after being able to see it was possible. That made me realize it could be possible for me, I think. Early on in your real estate career, you went from a T-boy to buying your first property. Do you remember your first property that you bought? Yep. And was it a flip or was it a flop for you? It was, it was, it was the best one I have ever done. Wow. In the history of all, and I don't buy anymore. Um, Stopped about 18 months ago. I've sold everything. Um, and for retirement plans, I can tell you this. So when we retire, me and the missus, we've got a little girl. She's six. She's fantastic. Um, and our plan when we retire is to own a tea farm in India. So we want like proper retirement, you know. And real estate at home was making me even more bald than I am now. It was just <laughs> Me out, you know, and I was, and I, but the benefit wasn't really there. You're making, you're making good money, but it wasn't. I hate tax, obviously. That's why I live in Dubai. Um, so it was just, it wasn't giving me the enjoyment anymore. But the first one I ever done, uh, I can tell. Can we talk figures? Am I allowed to tell you what that oh, looked like? You can, you can tell us everything. So we bought the property for sixty thousand pound. We spent seven thousand five hundred on it, and we sold it for eighty six thousand pound. So I made like, it was something like 28% or 30% in my first deal. And I was like, this, this is easy. I'm obviously very good at this. You know, this is easy. Never again have I seen such great returns in a short space of time with very little effort. We bought one, uh, me and the wife bought it. We spent an absolute fortune on attending to an Airbnb. And I'll never forget, it was the 18th of October was the first Airbnb client. The 17th of October, the ceiling fell through. The whole ceiling fell through in the kitchen with a leak. Airbnb client was on the way from wherever they were coming from. You know, oh, was, and that's just what made me think, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, so we sold up and, you know, our, our wealth creation is, we're looking at other options for wealth creation. Uh, I love it. I think real estate is definitely one, but we've done really well from it. And it stresses me out a little now. But that first deal was the best. It was really was the best. I'm curious about your journey from uh, from the UK and around the world. Um, can you yep. can you mind maybe give us some insight as to what your first stop was before you eventually landed in Dubai? Yeah, Dubai was first. So what happened was, yeah, yeah. So what happened when um, the flipping it was called day one lending and we couldn't flip anymore because the banks brought in a rule where you had to have owned the property for six months before you could move it on. Now I used to use bridging finance, uh, sometimes at one and a quarter percent. So it was, you know, uh, 9%. It would have cost me to hold it for the six months or give or take whatever it is. And it, there was no, there was no skin in it. So I had no business model. So I said to the missus, what do we do? And there was jobs in Dubai let's just apply for one and let me see how I get on. I applied and interviewed. They sent me for training down in London. We did a week's training, flew to Dubai, left the missus at home for a month to see, because everybody was like, don't go to Dubai, especially my mom. My mom was like, don't go. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> but then everybody else was like, oh, you can't drive. 
oh, you can't go, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I was like, oh, I'm sure it'll be okay. Um, so we jumped on a plane and it was just not like anybody had said. It was the party capital. It was just amazing, fantastic place. Um, and that was the first stop. But I came over to, as a rental agent, you know, right at the bottom of the ladder. So I'd, I'd gone from T-boy up to being this guy who buys and sells properties to having no money because I had no business model. And I was like, what do I do? So I went rentals in Dubai. And so where I'm from, we've got a way about us. We are quite, um, I'm not shy. So I'm not shy and I'm quite ready. I'm ready to get involved in whatever I need to get involved in. So I rolled up my sleeves and did really well, really quick. So I went from rentals into sales and then was brought into management. And I was really successful because people bought into me. So, you know, because I'd gone through that process, and I, I coach this when, I, when I'm teaching people, it's hard to teach a rental agent to do something if you've never done rentals. You know, if you take on an ISA, and it's hard to teach an ISA what to do if you've never made phone calls. Um, so it was great because I went from rentals into management. Then I opened my own company here. Uh, 2014, I sold my shares when we found out we were having our little girl. I was offered a coaching role in Florida where I had 200 agents between Jacksonville down to Homestead, right the way across over to Tampa. We had a two-year-old daughter. We were based out of Orlando. We actually lived in Davenport, which is like eight minutes from Magic Kingdom. So we were in Disney every day. It was the best. Um, so we really enjoyed that. And we then went up to Toronto, to Montreal, coaching up there. And then over to Qatar. So Qatar is a, the, one of the next countries along here. Really, um, it's the richest country on the planet. But it's like Dubai maybe 10 or 15 years ago. So it's just really finding its feet, but there's incredible wealth there. I was general manager for a family office. So they brought me in. And it was such good fun because they had 1,500 properties, but they had like um, uh, five restaurant chains, a coffee import business. I knew nothing about this. And they were like, Mark, come on, just come and run it. You'll be fine. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm coming. Let's go. And it was, we, we spent two years there uh, and it was amazing. Like we absolutely loved it. Um, my little girl started nursery and stuff there. And then when COVID hit, we went back to the UK to, to make things safe um, because that's what you do. We were like, okay, get back to the UK. What's going on? And then I was over in Asia Asia was good fun. English is not their first language in Vietnam, you see. It really isn't. And in, and in either's mind, people tell me English is not my first language too. So it was such good fun. Uh, but they really bought into me. Uh, that was a start, it was a really well-funded tech startup that had, um, they wanted to grow the brokerage and they wanted to figure ahead that they could lean on to, um, to, to get more funding, basically, you know, to, to leverage. And it worked really well. And they're doing fantastic now. Um, but that was a short-term contract. And then now we're at LuxuryProperty.com. This is, this, I'd like to say this is my forever home because it really is, you know, our plans, what we're doing here. And the owner of the company is, is genuinely, he's just fantastic. Uh, his vision and his support and what his plans are for the company are great. Um, so... Yeah, this is what I do now is probably the most fun I've ever had. I mean, I'm in the office, it's 10 p.m. And, you know, it's, I'm here because I, lo I absolutely love it. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, there's, there's been little bits in between. Something I always, you hear me say then about if you haven't done it, it's hard to teach. So I was, I was coaching people in the U.S. saying, look, you guys need to at some point take on an ISA to deal with your lead flow. Most ISAs coming out of Manila. So I said, what I'll do is I'll go to Manila and I'll spend 10 days there and I'll coach them and I'll let them coach me and I'll see what the problems are. And then when I'm teaching you how to recruit an ISA, I'm not guessing. I've been and I've spent time with them and, and that's what, and it was great. We stayed in Makati City, fantastic place. And yeah, I learned so much in that 10 days. So, that, so I've, done, I've done some crazy things, you know, but I think that's what helps. It helps you uh, helps you do well when you're when you've traveled the world because you, you you're able to have a, a more founded opinion 
on on life. Uh, if somebody says, what's it like to be an ISA? Well, I know that their biggest problem is they have no Wi-Fi <laughs> because there's never any Wi-Fi. <laughs> so that's the big problem we need to overcome. Now, if you just take an ISA on and she's, she's intermittent contacting you and you get really frustrated, we have to understand it's not her fault or his fault. The, the Wi-Fi is really bad. So just, just deal with that. That's a big problem, but deal with it. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's my journey so far. As I'm listening to your story and you've picked up most of your life, went around the world, restarted, rebuilt ventures. Um, the word that really comes to my mind is courage. I mean, it takes a lot of courage and guts to pick up and move and find success wherever you decide to park. So two questions come to mind. One, I'm dying to know. So you had mentioned you are Heidi on the disc. What is your wife? D. She's more Heidi than me. She's the boss, you see. So you're saying when you come up with an idea, she's 100% ready to roll? Oh, no. What happens is I come up with an idea and then she goes, no. Then she rewords it, makes it her idea and tells me. And then that's what we do. <laughs> yep. I, I have no idea what you're talking about there. <laughs> so my second question, because you are a coach, I'm sure you hear a lot of um, things along the lines of, I wish I could have the courage to do what you did, or I wish I could have the courage to pick my life up right now and go somewhere where I could be more successful and find happiness. What would you tell listeners that are thinking the exact same thing? Yeah, I, um, I think there's only, there's a couple of reasons why you would make that decision. And it's, um, one is necessity because you have no other option. And that's when people become the strongest, right? Is when you've got no other option to be the strongest you can possibly be now. Because if you don't, what does it look like? Uh, and that is a great reason to be successful because you have no other option. Um, I think another option to, to, to take that path would be um, you have something to give. You know, so I think with me, it was both. I ran out of cash and I, I felt like I could help people and it, it worked really well. So, but you have to have something to give back, right? If you're going to down the coaching path, if you're going to go down the coaching path, you have to add value. And that, that's all. If you can add value to someone's life, then you've definitely got a place within the coaching world. And... um if, if it's if it's going to be a case of this or or oh gosh, what does it look like? Then that's a great rocket, isn't it, to make you to take action. I have a, a daughter, a wife in Dubai right now. I'll tell you because you'll laugh. In my house, so in my office, I'm the CEO. I've got sixty five agents, twenty eight brokers. Um, so sixty five uh, agents, twenty eight ops. And they all come to me and think that I'm good at what I do. Mark, you're really good. I really like you. In my house, it goes uh, the mother-in-law, the wife, the, the little one. We have two dogs. We have a nanny and then me. So I sit right at the bottom of that pile, right? But when, you, when you've got to support that whole pile and you've got to be the one stepping up, I think that's what really makes you step up, right? It's, it's a requirement. It's no, there's no option. There's no option to, to be anything other than successful. And I think, you know, to go back to your question is, what's going to make you do it? And you've really got to want to, and it's got to mean something. And when it does, it will work out just fine. I think that's, that's probably the best way to answer that. Yeah, I really like what you're saying because most people don't do things or they get ready to get ready to get ready. Why? Because they have a huge fear of failing. And you've proven to not just our listeners, yet to yourself and to everyone yeah. around you that you failed a gazillion times. And as Alyssa said, you took some risks. Yeah. Many people think it's risky to go from one job to a new job across the street. Yeah. You're unique, though, because you're like, what the heck? Yeah. With moving across the street, we're packing up and moving to Dubai. Yeah. Without really even knowing anything about Dubai. And so you went from living in Liverpool, which my UK buddy Sammy has described as not being very posh. Yeah, exactly. 
and now you're posh and living in Dubai. Yep. What do your family and friends think of your posh lifestyle compared to, you know, the Liverpool kid who was going to be a professional soccer player? It's funny because when we go home, you have to tone it right down. You know, so when, um, when we left Dubai originally to go over to the U.S., it was Rolex, Range Rover, because I've never had one. I was like, I'm getting a Range Rover. Uh, business cluster, we're going to New York, Vegas, Thailand, and all this type of stuff before we had a little one. And then you go home at Christmas to see everybody, and it's like, take the watch off, uh, put some old clothes on, and don't let anybody know you flew business. You didn't fly. You didn't turn left. You did not turn left on the plane. You turned right like a regular person. Don't be messing like that, Mark. And, um, you know, something, the, the truth is not everybody wants to see you do well. And that's, it's an unfortunate, you know, it's, it's not really, I don't want really to talk about it too much because it's a negative, but really people don't necessarily always want to see you do well. So you don't need to show them as long as you know, you're doing well. And as long as your family are happy, I think that's the key. Um, but yeah, it was for, for the people who do come and see us, it's, cause we live on the palm we have a nice life and it's like people come and see where I used to live to where I live now. It's, it's a little different, you know, it's a little. <laughs> if you're enjoying this episode, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe to the success coaching podcast. As the COO of luxuryproperty.com, what vision do you have for the company in the future? And what is the current vision of the company? We've been open four years, and in four years, we've uh, positioned ourselves in the Dubai real estate market as a brokerage that everybody knows very well and everybody respects because the the specific part of the market that we play in, we really do well. And we don't compete with other people uh, at a brokerage level because we don't need to. We have a share of the market, a really healthy share of the market that we, I wouldn't like to say dominate because that's not fair on the rest of the brokerages because the Dubai real estate market is really competitive and the other brokerages here are fantastic, but we do things slightly different. So the average age in our brokerage is slightly higher. We've got, um, I know I don't look old, but I am. Um, And we've got, um, a lot of the people in the office have kids and our average price point is different than the rest of the brokerages because we're able to, and I think this is the most important thing in real estate, is we're able to generate leads at price points others may struggle at. So our website's the most visited real estate website in the Middle East. Most brokerages in Dubai don't really uh, don't really need a website because they benefit. Well, you know, we have. Uh, our version of Zillow is we have two portals here that do really, really well. And you actually don't need to have a website. You could do a great living just from the portals. But we we have our website as well. And our brand is luxuryproperty.com. So the type of clientele that comes through, the types of leads that we generate typically fall within a decent price point. So we're able to compete at levels other people aren't. Other brokers aren't able to jump into that space just because we've got an asset that is not available in the rest of the market. So we've done really well where we are now. I see our brokerage probably increasing by about 40% this year. And I think that will be where we'll sit. We'll sit at 100 agents, which is a really nice place to be. Um, and then our, our goal is um, the three things I put forward at the, you know, the early meeting for the year was a market share, market authority, and transactions. So we want to make sure that uh, Palm Jumeirah, which is a very popular community in Dubai, we should be the authority in that community. If you want to buy, sell, or rent, you do not consider calling anybody else. Now, when you've got that uh, authority, you're actually not competing with anybody because you can't compete with us because that's just what we do. You can come in and you can compete with us, but we're just not going to, we're not competing with you. We're not, we're not uh, worried about what you do because we're so far ahead of the game. And that's something, you know, in, in our company, we have uh, daily meetings, probably 
10 meetings a day to discuss how to be better. And it could be anything. We have a custom-built CRM. So how can we make our CRM better? How do we make the front of our website better? How do we make the back of the website better? How do we get more press? You know, I chased you guys down. I wanted to be on your podcast. This is the best podcast. Can't say the best, can I, in case I go on another one. This is one (laughs) of the best podcasts. (laughs) If I can say the truth, if it's the truth, it's the truth. So we're constantly looking at ways that how do we tell more people about how great we are? And how do we stay ahead of the curve? You know, what's, what does that curve look like? What's the market going to do next year? How do we get ahead of that? And what we see is a lot of other brokerages following suit. And it's not copying. It's not copying. It's not them trying to be us. It's they're seeing best practice from the, the brokerage that we are. And they follow best practice, which is really nice for us. Because other people might see that as, oh, why are you doing the same things as us? So I'll put a press article out. I'm in the press every week. Somebody will put a similar press article out saying similar things. And I really like that because that means I'm probably saying the right things. I'm maybe a couple of weeks ahead uh, because I've thought about it on the way to work. I've got our content writers to produce an editorial. We've sent it to the, the press and we've said, here's what I, here's, Mark thinks this. And they've gone, okay. And then that becomes a thing. And I think that's a really uh, important part of our brokerage is to be way, way ahead of the game. And I don't mean that in a, I genuinely don't mean that in a negative to the rest of the market. I just think that we're thinking slightly different because our plans are, are really uh, aggressive in terms of growth. Um, we want to be open in New York, LA, and Miami in the next quarter. Uh, we already have exposure there. We do really well at the moment. We're already doing transactions in London, which is fantastic. And Mike, I would like to open 25 cities by the end of 2022. I mean, I, I genuinely think this year is going to be the best year we've ever had. In, my, in, in, in our generation, I can't see us having a better year in real estate. Um, I, I just can't, I can't see how it could be. Now, I, I definitely want to have that conversation with you, but I, I want to I want to just kind of back up for one second. So, in our preamble, you know, we talked a little bit about um, uh, lead generation and, and lead conversion and 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 whatnot. And you've talked yeah. a lot about and and I think you mentioned like anywhere from you've seen anywhere from point two percent all the way up to as high as twelve percent, which is unheard yeah. of. Um, it, you know, in my career, I've never heard of someone hitting twelve percent conversion rates. But what I what I'm interested in knowing is, you know with your experience from all different levels of, of real estate going from, you know, focusing mostly on uh, property rentals, property management, that sort of thing. And now into luxury property sales, do you see a correlation between the 0.2% to the 12%? Is there a correlation between uh, the lower end uh, of the, of the spectrum versus the higher end of the spectrum? I guess the question is with luxuryproperty.com, are you converting at the highest levels just because of the, uh, exposure to the market that you guys and the positioning that you've you've put yourself in. So, uh, great question. I think our conversion rates right now um, are are right at the lower end of the conversion rate spectrum that we've just discussed, the point two to twelve percent. And the reason we're at the lower end of that is because of our extremely generation. So, we are in a really fortunate position where when new people join. Uh, we can give them an abundance of leads. Like, hey, look, all of these people have just said they want to buy or they want to rent. Uh, can you please jump on top of them? Now, in Dubai, uh, most about 50% of the stock is non-exclusive. So it could be with 25 agents. So it's you need to have good stock. But then if you, if you spend time getting stock, you're not calling your tenants or your buyers. And if you're calling all your buyers and you're getting stock, you end up having to do splits and it's, it's a, it's a real interesting position that we're in where we, we have to recruit because our conversion rate could be better. So our conversion rate's low, but not because of poor quality agents. It's just because we can't get to all the leads. Um, yeah, which is insane and, and really is insane. And I think, you know, your question was the differences between um, a million dollars. So when I moved to the US, the first thing people said to me was, Mark, I want to start selling 2 million and above. You've done Dubai real estate. Please tell me, how do I sell properties at 2 million and above? And my answer always was, you don't want to do that. Uh, you really don't. I would sooner, really, I would much sooner do four, $500,000 properties 
than one two hundred thousand, one two million, because the risk levels around the four transactions. If one falls off, we're still okay. <laughs> you know, if that one two million dollar falls off, it's a, t- it's a bit stressful. And the the dynamics of the clientele you work with, not in Dubai but across the world, are slightly different. Egos and well, mostly egos uh, that you're dealing with when you're, you know, when you're dealing with all cash purchases. We we do transactions here. Uh, we have one at the moment, just shy of $100 million. And the nicest guy you've ever met in your life, if you've seen him in the streets, you would never know his wealth. And that's typically on both sides. But sometimes when we go into the West and we do transactions at that level, there's a big ego that comes into it and it's just not enjoyable. But that's, that's not the answer you want. That's just my opinion. The answer is to, to enter the luxury market, you have to have buyers because if you want to get stock, my big thing is it's got to be duplicatable, right? So if you by chance get a listing that you don't have a system that's going to leverage more listings, there's no point in having it. You might make some money from it. Let's say you list something for $3 million and that's great. And you don't have a system that's get, getting you more $3 million listings, then there's no point in that referral uh, because you, 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 you don't have no leverage. But with if you've got a system that delivers a buyer into your inbox who wants to buy at $3 million, and then you turn that into a commission check, and it's somebody you didn't know, it's a stranger, that's duplicatable. And then once you've got the buyers, you're able to get the listing. Because you can walk into a listing appointment and say, I sold this property. I have somebody who might want to buy yours. Give me your listing. Okay. That's a very basic way of placing it. But that's, you know, that's the, the rationale of approaching a luxury market. You have to have something of value. And it can't be, hey, I've got a really nice suit. Uh, I drive a nice car and I'm going to do a really good job for you. Because nobody cares. We've, we all do that. Uh, what else can you do? Where's the buyers? Do you have buyers? And if you've got a duplicatable system, I think that's the best way to enter any market. So when we're looking at market share, which is one of the three things we're focusing on for 2022, how do we get market share? Well, we have to have people who want to do transactions within that specific uh, arena. So if I bring someone with a 50 million dirham budget into a, a target market that we don't cover right now, 50 million dirham is about $17 million. If I can bring 10 buyers who are ready to buy in that area, I'm going to be able to dominate. But if I can't bring the buyers and I ask a seller to list with me, you've got to have some serious, serious listing presentation to justify nothing. You know, and, and we can. I'm not saying that's impossible because we, we can all do that. But is it duplicatable? I don't think so. I have a question about luxury listings and overcoming the so-called imposter syndrome. As a coach, how would you coach someone to believe that they are worthy of having the luxury listing instead of telling themselves that I'm not good enough or as good as the other agent? I'll tell you the best answer. I grew up, I'll tell you something really funny, right? When we were, I remember getting, you know, central heating, you call it the same thing in the in US and Canada. Yeah. Central heat. I remember getting central heating in our house because we didn't have it. I remember when we got windows fitted with the, the double glazed because we only had single glazed. And at winter, it would be wet on the, basically everywhere in the house. To keep warm, we had a gas fire at the top of the stairs at winter. From Liverpool. I am now COO of the largest luxury real estate brokerage in the sexiest, richest country on the planet. Right? So you could easily say, I don't deserve to be where I am. I could sit here and say, I don't deserve this extremely amazing opportunity that I have. But if you've done something to get that listing, even if it it was a referral and it was by chance, if you listen back to the first 25 minutes of this podcast, most of my career was by chance. I just said, yeah, okay, let's, let's go. Let's open that door. Let's see. So you do deserve it. Otherwise, you wouldn't get it. We get everything we deserve. My wife always tells me the one thing. We always get the dog we deserve. 
And that's because our dog loves my wife more than me. So that's what she always tells me. You get the dog that you deserve and our dog loves the missus more than me. But you do. You get what you deserve in life and you really do. So if you're sat thinking you're not good enough, the hard thing to understand is people like me who think we are good enough now are going to call your seller and take it from you. And then you'll be upset. And that's not nice, but it's true. And I'll pick the phone, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not in the US market, so I apologize, but somebody like me will pick the phone up and say, I can do a better job uh, because you haven't had this experience with me yet because the guy you're using is not, you know, they've not got out of first gear. So you do deserve it because you've got it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself because that's what it is. Step out of first gear and go for it. Like, go for it. Well, what's the worst that can happen? You know? I say this to the guys all the time. I've got an offer and it's low. I don't want to put it forward. What's the worst thing that can happen here? If they say no, no, no. That's the worst thing that can happen. Get on the phone and get the offer forward and let's go, you know? So I think, you know, it's very common. It's a very common thing to happen. But people like to find reasons not to do things, right, Todd? You know, if you can find a reason to not do something, then I'll find it. And so it's it, basically, you're that, it's dark, it's 6 a.m., it's time to get up, and you don't want to get out of bed because it's dark, right? Because I don't want to get up, I want to get up and do a day's work, but you have to, you have to. And that's what you're doing, you're sat there, and you're thinking, I don't want to do anything with this listing. And the truth is, you're scared in case you don't sell it. You've never done it before. You're scared in case the activity that you do doesn't result in a sale, and you get fired. And you don't want to get fired because this is the best listing you've ever had. So I'm not going to do anything. Don't scare it away. Don't do anything in case you scare it. And the truth is you just need to do the same thing you would do on a $200,000 listing and that's get it sold. Yeah? Pick the phone up to the last 20 people who sold a property in this zip code or the zip code next door at a similar price point. Call them and say, hey, Todd, I've just took a listing on. You sold one a couple of months ago. Do you have any buyers that might want to see it? That's not a bad thing to do, right? You know, just do anything. Sell a house, man. <laughs> Get the house sold. You said something fantastic at the beginning. And correct me if my memory doesn't serve me right. I believe you called yourself a yes man. And then you, when you say yes, right, you figure out how to make it happen. And I see that as a huge proponent of your success. Because instead of saying yes... And then fearing the process and thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to make it happen? Is this going to happen? It sounds like you sit back and you go, yes, now let's make it happen. The how isn't relevant. You already said yes, so you figure it out. Which again is a huge proponent of your success. And it seems like a really simple process. And it is once you actually follow through it and do that process. Um but it's deciding to do it that has to happen first. And I believe people get so caught up in the steps and the how that they become paralyzed between the yes and the success. Um, I write on the board everywhere. Um, I've got whiteboards all over my office. I write why when I'm doing coaching or training or breakout sessions. And it's not, it's not how this property is going to get sold. It's why. What's the, what's the why? So if... Um, if you're in a position where you're trying to make up any decision, everybody makes a plan and then another plan and then a backup plan and all this type of stuff. And it's like, no, why is this going to happen? Why is this property going to sell? Well, this property is going to sell because this guy wants to exit at this price and this family needs somewhere to live. Okay. So that's the why. Let's build around that and let's talk around them two elements, the whys. You need the money. You need somewhere to live. Let's go. Let's not create problems. And, and there's a why to every transaction. There's a why to every decision. And that's, I think that's really important. I do really think that's important. Why is such, you know, a question that is such a funny question. When we're doing qualification, we could say to somebody, hey, um, there's um, uh, three of you living in this house, but you want, you want a four bedroom. Why? Right, that question alone, people are so scared to ask because it's like, ooh, can't ask that question. But then when you understand the answer, you deliver better results for your clients. Well, actually, I don't need it. The wife said she wanted more space, but we probably can't afford it. 
So I don't want that many bedrooms. That's just what I came through on. You just saved yourself probably three weeks worth of mess. Yeah. Or you might say it's a home office and you go, okay, great. That's really essential. We're all working from home now and make sure we've got that. But let's just ask him why people don't do it. It's insane. But why is such an important question, right? I mean, any question is important. Yeah. And there's a wise man that goes by the name of Ben Fairfield. And he says, you're paid in direct proportion to the questions you ask. Love that. And also the questions you do not ask. Really like that. And many people won't ask questions because they're afraid of the answer. That's so good. They're afraid of that huge two-letter little word that begins with an N and ends with an O. Yep. The no prevents people from taking chances or risk. And you, Mark, on the other hand, have taken countless chances and risks. A great example is happening right now. And that is you being on this podcast right now, which may be the riskiest move you've ever made. <laughs> you really have to be okay with knowing that it's not always going to be a winner, winner, chicken dinner situation. Yep. You thought for sure that you were going to be a professional soccer player. Yep. Yet you had your mind set on it and you also believed because I'm guessing that you just didn't pick up a ball one day and say, okay, I'm going to be the greatest player out there. Right. You probably put a lot of work and effort into it. That's right. And you had results at that time. Yet the result of being a professional soccer player in the future did not just happen. That's right. Many times we get stuck in the future and we don't realize what it took for us to get to where we are now. And that type of thinking can prevent us from being happy in the now moment. We all must get better with being okay, with being okay, where we are right now. Because more than likely, we really don't want to go back to where we were before. No backward steps. Because when you look back, you're like, I don't want to do that again. You know, it's not easy to get to where you are. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. It wasn't easy to get there. Right? You can speak to anybody on this planet now and say, what was it like the past 10 years to get to where you are? Even if you're in a great position or a poor position, everybody will say, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. So if it was tough, then it was worth it. Right. And, and, and that's it. That's nothing, nothing worth doing is easy, in my opinion. And this is something we see in real estate quite a bit. People come in and uh, we said this at the start, and it was all the takers. I just would like to take the order and, and that's all. Thank you. Can I just have all of the money from my desk? Uh, that's the goal, isn't it? I don't want to move. Just give me all the money and I'll call a few people. And then they look at the top 1% and they say, I, I say this a lot, the top 1% will never taught something that bottom 99% don't already know. Right? So if you look at the top 1% and say, well, um, what, what did you learn when you got your real estate license? And they learned the same as the bottom 99%. There's no skill the number one real estate agent in Dubai has that the, the worst agent in Dubai doesn't, doesn't have. There's no skill, right? Because real estate is so simple. You have to find somebody who wants to buy a property. And then you have to find somebody who wants to sell a property that they like and can afford. And then you do a transaction. That genuinely is all we need to do. All of the other fluff is nice and it can result in all kinds of great things. But the black and white of it is Dubai, Hong Kong, Qatar, London, Miami, Orlando, Toronto, wherever I've been, it's the same. You've got a budget of this amount of money and this is your requirements. If I show you exactly that property, are you going to buy it? Yes. That person is a real buyer. Be great. This, this, you can afford this, <laughs> so uh, buy it. And then they do, and that's real estate. There's no skills there, you know? The skills are actually the work ethic and the, the, what we put into the business and what I call it the terms of business. So what's our terms of business on ourselves? So my terms of business are, as a real estate agent, I don't broker. Um, and I, I don't broker because I think it's a conflict of interest if it did. If I was the best, which I think I would be, but if I was the best, uh, it might be seen as I'm getting all the best leads. Or so, so I don't, I don't broke it. But anyway, if I, if I was, the rules I'd have on myself are: I have to make 50 calls every single day. I have to meet 10 people every single week, face to face, every single week. I out of them 50 calls a day, 40 have to be strangers. 
So I have to speak to 40 strange people that don't want to speak to me every day. Now, they're my terms of business on myself. I'm probably going to be successful, but that's not a skill. <laughs> you know, it's not, is it? It's, it's just having a diary and doing what it says in your diary. Make calls. Okay. You know, that's not a skill. It really isn't. You know, there's people being a nurse, that's a skill. You know, that's a skill. Being a doctor, being, 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 I tell you what, being in the armed forces, there's skills that I don't have, right? Being a vet, I don't have that skill. But being in real estate, it's just what you put in. And the funny thing is, we're paid better than everyone. We really are. And there's no skill. It's just, and that's not me saying we're not skilled. I don't want you to think I'm being negative to the industry because we're the ones who do it right. We're hardworking and we do have a mindset different than others. But there's no skill to making somebody buy something they don't want, you know? And that's what people think. Oh, the top 1% are able to convince people to buy? <laughs> no, they're not. Because you've never convinced somebody to spend $2 million when they didn't want to spend it. Like, you just can't do it. People struggle to convince people to get extra fries. You know, so if that decision is difficult. You're not getting a $2 million property over the line by having this crazy technique you learned. It doesn't exist. It's just the process, isn't it? And getting it right and doing the right thing for your clients. And I think that's the, the thing people often miss. Man, Mark, you got to make sure you say chips instead of fries the next time you go back home. Hmm. That's the, you see, I have to remember these things. I also say, yeah, I say a lot of things wrong. I call a, a line, I say line now, back home it's a cue, right? But in the normal world, we say line, we say fries, but it's chips. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, there, you know, there's, there's something that I've, I've actually just put into my, my own journaling this year, and that is to recap the day. So I journal at the end of the day. And I, I put in this this uh, this whole idea of recapping my day, and the, and what prompted that was, I you know I've often been asked this question, you know, how is your day? And my a lot of times my answer was ah, fairly uneventful. Right now it was fairly uneventful. And so when I started thinking about that answer to the question, I started thinking about the day, and I was like, well, what if I just recapped what I did and started writing down everything that I did? That first time that I did that, I was blown away because it was anything but uneventful, right? And so when I started kind of um, putting a little bit of a coaching twist on that, it then became this account, this, this accountability partner that I had in myself in that if I'm going to write down something that I did during the day, it better not be something that was completely a waste of time. Right. It better not be, um, you know, me sitting on YouTube for two hours looking at this, that, and the other thing. Right. It better not be me picking up my phone and, and playing a video game for Candy Crush for an hour. Like, cause I'm, I'm, that isn't something that I want to write down. How do you stay motivated through the day, through the week, uh, to continually, you know, other, other than looking at the big why in your family and, and the things that you want to do? What is, what is the big motivator for you? And how do you hold yourself accountable to your success? So um, there's a couple of things, a couple of points on that. I really love that you um, you write down each day. That's that's so good. Uh, I think that's such a, a great thing to do. Um, to keep myself accountable, real estate's commission only. I've got 65 real estate agents who all rely on me. And they, they genuinely do. You know, I'm, I'm very hands-on. I know everything about everyone and every deal. And that's what motivates me is not letting them down. You know, the, the, the family why is huge. Uh, our head of recruitment said to me before, um, it's insane how much when you walk outside the office, you have a queue of people or a line of people uh, all waiting to talk to you and say, Mark, what about this? What can I do here? What can I do here? How he's about to have a, uh, a baby. And he said, how do you stay motivated at the same energy level when you get home? And you have a six-year-old daughter. And I was like, because that's the highlight of my day. <laughs> you know, so get home, see the missus, see the little one. That's what I look forward to every day. So that keeps me motivated to, to not crash, you know, to not burn out and be in a position where I can still do the fun things when I get home. I would, you know, I'm not going to lie and pitch a perfect life sometimes. I get home and fall asleep straight on the couch. But the goal is to stay as motivated as possible because that's what I look forward to. 
But how to do it during the day, we have a thing where I'll set a, a timer for one hour and you set your phone for one hour and you let it go and you carry on doing work and then you stop after an hour and see what you've done. And then we say, okay, how much an hour should you be getting paid? $100 an hour, $150 an hour, $200 an hour. Would you have paid yourself $200 to do that last hour's work? And when you first do this with people, it's really interesting because they're like, nope, I would never pay myself $200 to do that one hour of work. And so, well, don't, because you just did. You know, you just, you just did. And that's a real good way to, to manage your time throughout the day. Um, I think that my personality profile helps. I'm a pretty excited person, um, like about everything. I get, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a positive person. I'm a really excited about everything. Every deal we've got going on gets me excited. Um, and that helps stay motivated through the day because, you know, when you've lost, so you lose more than you win. I mean, like way more than you win. So you have to find a coping mechanism and that's to just be like, okay, let's find another. Let's go again. So I think that's the way to stay motivated. People ask me that a lot. Like, how do you keep them energy levels up? Maybe coffee has a major part and I don't know, but you know, <laughs> coffee probably does. Mark, there is so much you can share and teach others. If someone is interested in, in real estate within your area or purchasing real estate, maybe joining your team or your coaching opportunities, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Um, you can email me uh, direct, mark at luxuryproperty.com. Um, I have done other podcasts and I got a load of emails and it was so much fun. So there's people all over the world picking them up saying, Mark, tell me more about... And if the first thing people say is, tell me more about Dubai. Um, and I've got like, okay, what do you want to know? Let's go. Um, so yeah, you can reach me. Yeah, you can reach me anytime by email. Uh, everybody does and I really enjoy it. Uh, that's that the email comes straight through to my phone and I, I love all the emails. It's, it's really good fun. So yeah, you can reach me anytime. The lightning round. All right, Mark. So we've got this uh, segment that we call lightning round. I'm going to pepper you with a couple of questions and the whole idea is just to kind of answer off the top of your head. Are you ready to go? I am ready when you are. What advice would you give your 20 year old football playing self? Go for it, man. Don't be scared. Go for it. How do you start your day? To the same every single day without fail. I've, it's not OCD, although others say it is, but uh, everything is the same every single day. I get up, have a cup of coffee on the couch with the little one before she goes to school. We watch pretty much the same TV episode every single day. Um, I get ready. I don't drive to work. I take a car to work so I can work from the car. I answer emails from the US. Uh, I get into the office and I get the same cup of coffee from the same coffee shop downstairs. And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> I have to have that bit of reg regimented daily uh, sessions. Yeah, and then who knows what happens. From 8 a.m., I get in the office at 8 a.m. every day, and anything could happen from there. It's not, not planned from there. Awesome. All right, so you've traveled, obviously traveled the world. Out of anywhere that you traveled or anywhere that you haven't traveled to, uh, what would be the, the ideal place for you and your family to live? And are you living there right now? I've never in my life been anywhere as good as Dubai for family. So it ticks every box. It's super safe. It's, it's actually, I think it was the, the most safe place on the planet for females. Um, so you can walk the, the shops at like 1am and it's just safe. There's no crimes, no drama. It's absolutely fine. Um, so I've never in my life been as happy or um, believed to be in the, the right place as I am right now. However, where we want to be, um, is on a tea farm in Kerala in South India. Um, that's the goal. You know, acres and acres of tea leaves. We're British. We like tea, you know. The missus likes tea. And that's, that's the retirement goal once the, once the little one's gone through university. So but we've not been there yet, but that's the goal. Getting back to your roots as a tea boy. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> uh, okay. Second to last question. What's your favorite hobby? Golf. Really enjoy golf. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not that good. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. I think that's golf though. I don't think that's me. I think everybody's the same. So yeah, I enjoy golf. All right, last question. Do you miss UK winters? <laughs> no, 
However, I do love the winter, right? So we were in Toronto just before COVID hit. We went back to the UK, over to Toronto, and it was six foot of snow, which we just loved. And it was amazing, right? But then the UK doesn't have six foot of snow. It's just cold and wet all of the time. So no, it's raining here at the moment. It's raining in Dubai. You get about two or three days a year, and it's now. And then it'll be hot again probably from tomorrow. Uh, but no, I don't miss the cold, man. No way. Awesome. You know what? I think that's the high D personality in me, though, is if it's going to snow, snow the whole place in, and let's, never, let's not go out for a week. Don't just have a bit of snow. You know, if it's going to rain, let's have proper rain. If it's going to be a storm, let's have the biggest storm we've ever had and let's enjoy it. But the UK has none of that. All right, final question. The Beatles or Elvis Costello and why? The Beatles every day. So um, John Lennon grew up on uh, the, the wife's uh, family home, four or five doors up. And he's, he's where you know, the Beatles are rooted right into us. Um, so yeah, it's the Beatles all day, every day. It was a test. I didn't know if you'd say fries or chips. You have to test. You know, I'll pass that one. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Success Coaching Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please follow or subscribe to the Success Coaching Podcast at your favorite podcast provider. For special access to past recordings, videos of past episodes, and more, please become a Success Coaching Podcast companion at successcoachingpodcast.com.